Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. This is because of not keeping the house of my father a house of prayer for all nations. Because it, it was very clearly stated that he said that. You know, um, and the other thing is it was a part of turning the temple into a marketplace for the sale of redemption, really. And the background, you know, that's what was going on. And like that's nothing new. I'm sure all of us have seen on the TV, in one way or another, the sale of redemption, okay? So, and I mention that because um, the one thing that I do kind of want to point out all the time, you know, is this uh, looking at, uh, let's say, the, the religious structure at the time or whatever, or just pointing it all at, uh, let's say, Judaism. Oh, they missed it. They got it wrong or whatever. But I'm trying to show you, it's like, well... There has, you know, on one hand, pointing at them, I see in a lot of ways some of these same manners and things are going on today, even with, let's say, us, the believers in Jesus, so to speak, okay? So, um, so we've got to be careful how we word things or how we're viewing it, okay? And do that with clarity. So, uh, this idea of sowing redemption, obviously, this didn't sit well with Yahshua. Uh, two of the prophecy, prophecy references we looked at, and they were found in Isaiah and Jeremiah. We read those. Okay. John's uh, uh, records uh, records uh, three Passovers. Okay. It's interesting because the sister's not here today. We are talking about that. And it is, it's hard to determine, uh, at least at this point, I know uh, uh, the book of John is unique to all the other ones, and I can't wait till we get to that because after we do Matthew, that's the gospel I want to focus on because it's really interesting how John um, is, it, it, to me, it tends to follow the feast in a pattern. So, and so in the book of John, there's three Passovers, okay? So that it's either one or two things. It was, what would it be, a, a two-year period of his ministry or a three-year Eh, depending on how you look at it. So if we just say John has three Passovers in it, so that gives us three times that he's gone up to Jerusalem. Now, I'm saying that because I have found in Scripture as a general rule that when something is mentioned, it's a standard, okay, unless otherwise stated. And I'm saying that, that, um, that if that is a true gauge to go by, then the three separate times that he came to Jerusalem, he would have overturned those tables the exact same way. There's no, no sense of saying that he did that every single time. It has been stated once, and let's assume that every time that he came to Jerusalem, his heart hasn't changed, his attitude hasn't changed, okay? That's a little theory that I would submit to you to be considered, so... Maybe in, you know, and the other thing is maybe one of the top ten reasons that he, they wanted to kill him because of what Messiah kept on doing those year after these three years in a row coming up, okay? 
just something to consider. So just like the days of leading up into the exodus, uh, leading to uh, leading up to the exodus out of Egypt, the Passover lamb was uh, reviewed for any of its defects. Okay, so through Messiah's life, we can see why it was um, why it was a commandment to memorialize this feast. Okay, and for us to celebrate this. So, and that's another emphasis that I think we got to look at. When we're viewing Messiah, we view it in the context of all Scripture and the Feast of Passover. I mentioned last week about Yeshua uh, uh, judging the situation just as much as he was being judged. It's, you know, I made the comment, you know, it seemed the Lamb of God was coming in and reviewing the people as well as much as they were reviewing who he was, Okay. So we have that going on as well. Um, John uh, uh, here, our, our brother John would say that the trial, trial, uh, the trial to speak began in the opening verses of Matthew, because, and maybe John can agree with this, because the, uh, what I mean is that the witnesses and the evidences have been gathering uh, this whole time since the beginning of Matthew. That's what we've been having, a witness of who this guy is. What has he been doing? He's been testifying to certain things. Other people are witnessing to these certain things. So in some sense, you have this ultimate buildup to a big court case going on in Messiah's ministry. Okay? So it's leading up to this final judgment. Uh, keep that in mind as well. Um, as well as, we, uh, and we'll return to that later on. We'll see that later on towards the end of the book and in, at the end of this huge passion week that happens as well. So, now we'll continue and see the reaction of, these, of the people. He has now entered Jerusalem and seeing how the people are reaction. Uh, we saw some and we'll see more. So Matthew 21 continues on in 14. And the blind and the lame ones came to him in the set-apart place, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders which he did, and the children crying out in the set-apart place and saying, Hoshiana to the son of David, they were greatly displeased. And he said to them, Do you not hear what these say? And Yeshua said to them, Yay, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nurslings, you have perfected praise. So we're going to take a look at this. So, obviously, I've been saying, he's overturned the tables, which upset a group of people. And then at the same time, he's healing another group of people. It's an interesting contrast that's going on here. Yes. Wait one second. Uh, it might not be on. John, uh, Joe has it. Yeah, Ralph, it would appear that the chief priests and the scribes would be more in compassion to the children. And... Uh, when they were singing Hosanna to the son of David, they were greatly displeased. 
I guess maybe they wanted them to sing to the chief priests and scribes, Hosanna. But it seems like the, the leaders are sometimes, they're the ones who want gets, they want to get all the glory and all the... That very well could be. That could be one. Uh, I think in some ways that might be some of the reasoning behind uh, this figure or uh, who Messiah was that, that was troubling. No, no, I agree. So, uh, but what I thought was kind of interesting going on what Joe was, thank you, Joe, what was talking, they were greatly displeased. Okay? And that would include the, these healings that are going on, these lack of a better word, a blessings uh, of some sort that's going on. So I thought to myself, you know, greatly, they were greatly displeased. So that would mean that we must too be aware of not being displeased at miracles that the Father does amongst us as well. Okay? And what I try to do all the time is, and I know most of you where your backgrounds, um, or most of you have come out of, you know, of the different denominations or whatever. And what I tend to want to look at, okay, when Messiah is confronting these people and or he's, he's upset with any group of people, we need to put ourselves in that position to see if we are one of those people that he'd be, that Messiah would be displeased with. So that's why I figured, you know, it, we too, wonderful things that might happen in our lives or come to us, we need to recognize if, uh, you know, and not be displeased that maybe a blessing someone else has that you didn't get, okay, but yet someone else has, you know. So it's just something to consider. But this Hoshiana to the son of David, Hoshiana, it's actually, uh, it's made up of two words, uh, uh, Yasha and Na, okay? So it has this idea of uh, saving and beseeching, you know, okay? What I, I, what I have understood from some of my past studies is this was a pleading for life, you know, a life giver. Give us life, okay? Um, give us prosperity, you know? Give us hope. And ultimately, this is found in Psalms 118. And that terminology or that phrase, out of the mouth of babes, again, Messiah. Remember, Messiah only quotes from the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, it's silly, but he's only quoting from the Old Testament because there, there's no new to quote from. So, so Messiah, that mouth of, out of the mouth of babes and nurslings, you perfected praise, that is found in Psalms 8. Now, the people, they were waiting for a king. We know that, okay? The, the king that was from Israel, was to be from Israel when he... That's, there was that plea especially because it's saying son of David. They were looking for a king that was coming in whatever manner that they were, their thought processes was, okay? So for me, analyzing this, 
So they were looking for this king, but it wasn't in the same order or manner as Elohim had in mind. And I believe all, I believe all were looking for a ruler to take over, and that's not incorrect thinking. We can't see that that's wrong, okay? And why I'm saying that, because it's easy to say that, that I can, you know, we now see the suffering servant, and, and then the king yet to come, you know, because of where we're at. So maybe another way to look at, to look at that, let's not be prideful because we kind of see it different now in the hindsight and after something's happened. Because very, I just try to take, put myself in the position of those people at that time. Would I have got it? We saw the apostles even themselves really struggled with this idea up into the end, and maybe even after it happened. All right? So let's be thankful that it's been revealed to us, and we see the suffering servant and the return of a conquering king. Okay? So what caused the blindness? That was my next question in this idea. Okay? Not just with the Pharisees and the scribes, but with a lot of the people as well. What caused the blindness? What's that? Physical? I, yeah, let me get the mic to him real quick. I know what you're talking about, but what I'm, 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 go ahead and say what you did, and then I'll, I'll comment. You know, the blind and lame ones, uh, to me, it appears like it was a physical blindness and a lame blindness. I mean, uh, a, a uh, physical blindness and ones who were lame, like they were crippled in some way. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Yes, there was healings going on, and there was a blind man that saw. And uh, no, I agree with you. I guess maybe I'm, maybe I'm wording it wrong. But maybe where, why was this blindness of not recognizing what's happening or who this person was, okay? And I'm not even going to say, well, it was spiritual blindness because I don't think that's a correct way to look at it because how I personally see things is the spiritual and the physical, the natural, they're one and the same. You can't divide them up. So why did they not see? Why, what, what kind of blindness was going on? So what, uh, what, what should be, I believe, is the, what should be is the core of, of everything. It's the commandments, okay? And then I'm going to follow up with this. Not the traditions of men and not the theologies that are held, even to this day, so important and sometimes held in higher regard than the Torah or the Word of God itself. And in some ways, I'm talking about two groups of people, maybe multi-types of group of people. The core thing where I see maybe why they wasn't recognizing Messiah, maybe for who he was, and it took so much was because of a lot of traditions of men and theologies. And I see now today, a lot of people recognize who the Messiah is, but because of their traditions of men and their theologies, 
they're missing so much of who he was. So on one hand, you have kind of disobedience on both sides of this picture due to what man's doing or how man wants to think. So sometimes the difference between the two are not distinguished and even substituted one for the other. The blindness to the Torah, that is what is written, is the key. Okay? So not doing those commandments, not according to traditions of men, or not doing the commandments due to the traditions of men. It still comes back to the Torah and obeying the commandments. You know? I saw your hand up, Barry. Or did... Or the mic. As you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Ready to pass you up, Barry. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Get on the train. <laughs> the, the question is, did he violate any commands? And... Did he not do something that other people were not able to do, and that was heal people? Mm-hmm. So today, today, do we know someone else who has the ability to lay hands and heal people and hasn't violated the commands? I don't know of anyone, no. and I can't see anyone in the future being able to do what he did. The reason I say this is because I know someone who I thought was very much in the faith and believing, and now all of a sudden they're saying all these different things. There's there's scriptures that there's these prophecies that have been fulfilled. Which one? Which one did he not fulfill? No. Thank you, Barry. So this idea of Hoshiana and the son of David, uh, a king coming from David, that, that's where their mindset was. It's undeniable, okay? So I brought up Luke 19. Again, this is all around the Passover time. And I mentioned uh, here I have make notes so we know at the beginning of Luke 19, when I jumped to 11, what, was, what, what little story went on before this was uh, Zacchaeus, the little guy, all right? Messiah, he was a rich tax collector. I remember a lot of these things that uh, Messiah talked about, like even last week we talked about the money exchange that was going on. And earlier we talked how tax collectors wasn't viewed very well. Okay? But anyhow, this uh, small stature of a gentleman, if if I recall right, he was rich and he was a chief collector. Okay? So this happens right before... Uh, Luke 19:11, and as they were hearing this, he spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. Him coming in, like we know he's in there already in Matthew, and they they thought the reign of Elohim was about to manifest straight away. So that was in the mindsets of a lot of the people. The kingdom's coming now. Okay. So the kingdom was now, but just like in the past, okay, this is something to remember. Just in the past kingdom, just in the past, the kingdom must always start in the heart and then manifest physically. 
That's the Torah written in the heart. All right? So what I'm saying is Messiah, in a lot of ways, hasn't changed the operation or whatever, the same method that his father does. And I'm getting that from Deuteronomy 5.29. It says this, Oh, that they had such a heart in them to fear me and to, to guard my commandments always so that it might be well with them in their children forever. And I have forever in parentheses here because that's interesting because that's in Deuteronomy and it's proclaiming, if we really look at it, uh, forever are these commandments. <laughs> that's what the father just said. Forever are these commandments. So if we really look at that, forever was the point to write it on your hearts. But that does not negate the physical at the same time. If anything, it goes back to my own personal theology is the physical and the spiritual are one in the same and they're echad. And you cannot separate the one from the other. Either you believe and you do or, or you believe and you do. There is no difference. There's not just, I believed and I don't. It doesn't work. You know, either you're married or you're not. Either you become one flesh or you're not. There's no other way around it. So let's look at both verses, Psalms 118 and Psalms 8. They, they both are related here. So we'll take a look at that. So Psalms uh, 118.14 I'll begin here. Yah is my strength and my song, and he has become my deliverance. Look at the, the, anyhow, let me continue. The voice of rejoicing and deliverance is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of Yahweh is doing mightily. The right hand, it has that idea of deliverance and power. The right hand, is, uh, right hand of Yahuwah is doing mightily. The right hand of Yahuwah is exalted. The right hand of Yahuwah acts mightily. Let me not die, but live and declare the works of Yah. Yah has punished or disciplined me severely, okay, because he loves you, but did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness I enter through them. I thank Yah. This is the gate of Yahuwah. The righteous enter through it. I, I thank you, for you have answered me, and you have become my deliverance. Deliverance, deliverance, salvation, salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is from Yahuwah. This is marvelous in your eyes. So Jerusalem is the city where his great name is to be shown, a shining example of right ruling, righteousness, and the guarding of the word of Elohim, a place where a nation as a whole gets forgiveness and guidance. So you can see how clearly this is connected with Messiah coming into Jerusalem, if you think of it on those terms. And I think maybe that's sometimes, um, maybe in the past we've lacked and not seeing how important Jerusalem is, how important the temple is, and what it is a representation. Messiah valued it. Not the building per se, 
but all it stood for and all it was to be for his people. Yahshua is entering the gates of that city, a city of righteousness, okay? And that's what Jerusalem was to be. This city where his name is placed was to be a place of righteousness, to be a light to all the nations, right? So the gate of Yah is righteousness, and the righteousness is defined by the law, okay? It's defined by the Torah. The, the kingdom, the house, the family, your lives, it must be built on this rock. This is the foundation stone, the instructions. Deliverance, salvation is one in obedience to the Torah or the, the instruction on life. It's the instruction on life. Okay? So, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was from Yahuwah. It's marvelous in your eyes. This is the day Yahuwah has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I pray to you, Yahuwah, Hoshiana. I pray, Yahuwah, please send prosperity, just as the definition of Hoshiana. We see it here in the text. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. We shall bless you from the house of Yahuwah, the temple. Yahuwah is El. He, he gave us light. Bind the festival offering with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my El, I praise you. You are my Elohim, I exalt you. Give thanks to Yahuwah, for he is good, for, the, for his kindness is everlasting. This is kind of really awesome what's going on. This is Passover language. And why I say Passover language? Is this not what Messiah is doing right now in Matthew or in the Gospels or recording? So we have to take all this and bring it along with us. The psalm is really interesting seeing its connection with Yahshua and the season of Passover. Look at the picture it paints here in the psalms and the real life being played out in the life of Messiah and the people too. A prophetic witness from the previous king of Israel. And what I meant by that is what we just read was from another king of Israel talking about another king of Israel and talking about the importance of a king of Israel. And then all of a sudden we're at Passover, Messiah's coming in, and this is all coming alive. That is so awesome. So, see the please say, that's Hoshiana. That's the words right there in Scripture. Now, here's something else uh, that I thought was interesting. Uh Right after he says, this is marvelous in your eyes, 24, pick it up right there. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, isn't it interesting that this particular day, just entertain me for a little bit. We've heard plenty of songs, our background. But this particular day is what? The day in the Messiah came in and was the Lamb of God. It was a particular day, this season of Passover. Let's rejoice in that day and be glad. And I'm not saying you can't apply that to other days, but it's kind of interesting that in some ways the psalm narrows that day down to Passover day. 
the Pesach, I just, that jumped out at me from all the years hearing the songs and, you know, and then especially, you know, Sunday, the day of the Lord and blah, 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 going on and on. But right here, if you are honest with the text, we're talking about the Passover. There's many witnesses in this text itself, even to the point El has given us light. Messiah has not, has he not showed us how to walk? Bind the festival offering and the cords of the horns of the altar. Is this Yeshua himself? The very offering being brought in, in Psalms, and being tied to the altar, bound to the altar, bound because his father said so, not by any man tying the, all, the lamb of God up, but by his father. You are my El, and I will praise you. You are my Elohim, I exalt you. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. And look at the kindness that is everlasting. Yes, sister. You know, in the 27th, so Yahuwah is El, and he, give it, and he give, gave us light. Bind the festival of friend with course of the horn on the altar. But the people say, what is light? What is the light we have? We have the light on our heart because it's the last part is dying. You know, when the people die, the heart is still working. Because we have the lie inside. I got a revelation long time ago about that. When I read the, the verse on when the father Abraham goes sacrifice Isaac, Isaac and, and the angel stopped him and I say, stop. Because something is in your, in your heart, ready it is. When people say follow the commands, we need to follow because it's in our heart. Yes. When the people uh, start committing, because it's example, someone is married, but I have a trouble with his wife. He started looking another wife. He at the moment broke the commands he made with a God because he put his sigh in something he delights, something he liked. And the moment he broke the commands, this is committing because when we were or her, we like something very strongly, we commit sin at the moment. No more commandment that because it's the light here in the heart. No, and no, I, uh, a lot of what you say, yes, sister, I do believe uh, I, uh, what you're saying, especially because light all through the text, if you really look up where light's at, it's always associated with his words, his Torah. And you're talking about the heart. And that's to be written in there. And Messiah was that very, what the word, the Torah made flesh. He was the very walking light, you know. So thank you, sister. So let's continue. Matthew 21. Uh, again, let me read this. Refresh us. And the, the blind and the lame ones came to him in the set-apart place, and he healed them. And the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders which he did. And the children, it's interesting, the terminology, the children crying out in the set-apart place. These were adults. It wasn't just children. It wasn't just about a bunch of toddlers, right? Yeah. The terminology is the children, men, grown men and women. Crying out in the set-apart place saying, Hoshiana, save us, bring us prosperity. Son of David, because we're trusting in what you had spoken to 
to our forefathers beforehand. And he said to them, do you hear what these are saying, the scribes and the Pharisees? And Yeshua said to them, you have, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nurslings? I have perfected praise. So we'll go there. Out of the mouths of babes. It's found in Psalms 8, like I was saying. So is there a unique connection with this, uh, with these two Psalms that are simultaneously being quoted by Messiah or the author of Matthew is bringing forward? Um, is, there a, is there a connection between the two? And the timing and the feast at the same time of Yeshua entering Jerusalem. You can be the judge. Michelle, I'll let you go before we continue. Well, from the psalm that you just read, um, 118, mm -hmm. you actually have four prophecies that are being fulfilled. So this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad in it. Why? Because it fulfills four prophecies of who the who salvation was, Yeshua, mm -hmm. and it ties right into him. Now, obviously, the priests and the scribes would have known this. Um, they should have recognized him based upon prophecy at this time, mm -hmm. but they weren't ready. No, I, I, that, that might be a very good answer. You know, how many of you out there, did right away, did you like, yeah, I'm going to change my life and follow the Messiah? Or right away, I'm going to stop my bad behavior and get in the church? I like that answer. Maybe I just, a lot of times people I know in my own life, okay, yeah, I, there were certain things that happened to me, but I wasn't ready <laughs> or willing, <laughs> maybe, willing to be ready to change, you know? I don't know, that's a thought. Well, even if you go back when it says, after he overturned the tables, my house shall mm -hmm. be called the house of prayer. Even then he said who he was. So out of the, the, out of the mouths of babes, they're recognizing the Messiah. Why aren't the scribes and the, Pharisee, and the Pharisees recognizing yeah. him? No, that, that, that's interesting. We have a couple other comments in the about... Because that's what I want to talk about. Thank you, Michelle. That's what I want to talk about, you know, because these, these, these two psalms, and like I was trying to share, it's Passover, it's the firstborn, it's the, the exodus out of Egypt, all these things. And how Michelle did point out, you see how much prophecy, so to speak, is, is being laid out right before us. Paul. Um, in the... Um Complete Jewish Bible translation, verse uh, uh, chapter 21, verse 14, it sa 15, I'm sorry. It says, And the Kohanim and the Torah teachers saw the wonderful things he was doing, and the children crying out in the temple, Please deliver us to the son of David. And they were furious. Um, it's noted that they were Torah teachers. Mm -hmm. These were religious leaders. And a lot of times, I think, even today, how many people recognize Yeshua? as coming and following the commandments and following Torah. I mean, there is a viewpoint that, yeah, we know Jesus, but they teach a different Jesus. Is it the one I that you yeah. And so here their expectation was on a son of David or a king was different than the one that was appearing. And so 
you can approach anyone and you can talk, because I've had conversations with people, and I said, well, uh, yeah, Jesus or Yeshua, he followed the commandments, he followed the Torah. And then, you know, this religious teacher said, well, I'm not really sure about that. Because he didn't see the connection of where Between he followed. Yeah. Because it's a cultural mindset. So the cultural mindset of the day, and then I'll stop because he says, don't get long-winded. <laughs> the cultural mindset of the day was a lot of the religious leaders and teachers were expecting something different than what they saw. Whereas the common people, they were expecting maybe what they saw. They were open to it. That's interesting, so, yeah. Um, and, and, and Yeshua's disciples, most of them came from those that were, would be called the common instead of the, the religious men, leaders yeah. that had learned from the traditions and so on. No, I agree. And I think that's something, uh, thank you, Paul, we can bring forward to even our day. However, we're looking at scriptures, we've got to make sure that we're not... Um, that we're not going to make up our own ending how it's going to be, you know, in that sense. Making sure, you know, we don't place a particular theology how things are going to happen and the, the end times is going to be this, this, that, and that. And if that don't happen, then you're not going to see it because if it doesn't happen exactly like that, then you're going to be in that same type of position where, you know, oh, that didn't happen, you know. So, oh, Rosa. I just wanted to make a comment along the lines what our brother was saying. I think a lot of times they, ha they had problems, you know, accepting Yeshua as their Messiah because they were expecting the prototype of David, you know, a, a warrior, somebody that was going to bring them, you know, material successes and, you know, and freedom from, you know, their bondage because they were mm -hmm. in bondage at that time. On the Romans, right? They were just uh, yes, and so that was one one of the problems that you know the Pharisees and all the the religious people of that time had, you know, had against Yeshua, and that's one reason why they angered they were angry and and they wanted to, to to kill him, you know, because they had been trained from centuries back that you only have one God, and then that was Yahweh, right? And then they yeah. were seeing in themselves, you know, that Yeshua was comparing himself to Yahweh. And that was part of the reason why they were angered. But we're still suffering from this mentality, even up to this day, you know, when a lot of the, um, you know, the, some of the Jewish teachers, you know, uh, of our day are still teaching that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one reason why we had this great divide. No, I, yeah, no, I, I can see a, uh, a lot of different things. Thank you, sister. So... Let's continue and look at this out of the mouth of babes and nurse uh, and uh, nurslings. Uh, Joe, you want to go? Real quick? Yeah. Uh, what she was saying a while ago that the the children uh, knew uh, who uh, who she was out of the babes. Out on the mouth of babes, and I was thinking of the verse that uh, a child shall lead them. But then also I was thinking of what Paul said in First Corinthians, for God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak things to confound the strong. So this would tie in. It's interesting that a child sometimes has more wisdom than even the elite, the chief priests, and the scribes. No, uh, that's very, uh, I 
I think that's very well true in a lot of aspects. So we're getting down to our time here. What I want to do is I want to read this, and then we'll start here next week. Because I just want to make sure. And I'm, all what you guys said, I think it was all great input. But we haven't even read the, the Psalms yet to add in what's it talking about when it's talking about these babes and nurslings. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not saying any what you said is wrong. I'm just saying we need a little bit more to back up those ideas. So I want to read the Psalms uh, where that's headed, and then we'll close, and next week we'll get right back here. So that way you've got time to go read uh, Psalms 8. Okay? That's where it's, this is being held. And there's a lot of interesting things here in Psalms 8. So, O Yahuwah, our Master, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You, um, you who set your splendor above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded strength because of your adversaries to put an end to the enemy, the avenger. For I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have established. What is man that you remember him and the son of man that you visit him? Yet you have made him a little less than Elohim. The word is not messenger or angel there, okay? But we'll, we'll talk about that next week. You made him a little less than Elohim, and you have crowned him with esteem and splendor. You made him rule over the works of your hand. You have put him all under his feet, all sheep and ox, oxen. And also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, passing through the paths of the seas. Master Yahuwah, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So let me, I read it, go back and read it this week, and this is where we'll pick up. All right? And analyze that whole idea. Out of the mouths of babes, that comes the foundation. Why is it a foundation that's in the mouth of the babes in the nurslings? And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a completely clear answer, but I want you guys to take a look at it and meditate. All right, Pat, if you want to comment, and then we're going to close, okay? I just wanted to make a comment. Out of the mouth of babes, could it be um, that maybe they weren't as educated as the Pharisees? And, they, you know, how we call ourselves babes because we don't know as much. And these were people that weren't highly, you know, like the Pharisees. They didn't know as much, but yet they believed by faith. I, I, uh, you know, it very well could be, Pat. Yeah. But what I'm, what I... I haven't, I've been meditating on this, and like I said, I don't have a full picture of what's this phrase meaning. So when I got to this fight, I have some notes, and actually some of the notes are some of the same things you had, but it happens to be that we, because uh, of the time's up right now, it's kind of perfect. So I am, for lack of better words, going to be moved by the Spirit and said, go back, read Psalms 8, and next week, Maybe some of those, maybe you will have some more answers. All I'm saying is don't try to bring in something that maybe you haven't yet overlooked 
the Psalms where it's at. You, you see what I'm saying? Because it's easy to take Messiah's words and say, oh, it could be this. And it might be. Okay? And I'm not saying it's not. But yet, until we go back, and I know personally I found so much, it's like, wow, I think a little bit different because I've written read where it was coming from. And it's in a bigger context that I need to bring forward to those words. So we can't take things backwards. We can't take history or theologies and ideas backwards to accommodate the text. We, it all has to come forward. So let me close in prayer. And then next week, that's your homework. Okay? Psalms 8. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. We thank you, you that you have recorded your words. Father, we thank that your words and, your way, and you are trustworthy and faithful. Thank you again, Father. Be with us today as we, and be pleased as we uplift your name and empower us with your spirit so we can become stronger and stronger in what you have put before us in our lives. Again, we thank you for the redemption that's in your son, Yahushua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, all here online. Come back with us in about 20, 30 minutes. And thank you. Uh, it's an honor to have your attention. I really appreciate that. So thank you.